By Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Visit DairyLaneDental.com. You're listening to The Riding Report with your host, Jeff Carter. Report. I'm Jeff Carter, and uh, we have a special guest today, MPP Mike Schreiner, who is the uh, leader of the Ontario Green Party of Ontario. Welcome, Mike. And Matt Richter, who has run for this riding a couple of times and hopefully will be a future MPP in Perry Sound, Muskoka. Welcome, guys. Hey, Jeff. It's a pleasure to be on today. Good morning, Jeff. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Now, it's not very often we get a leader of any provincial party uh, coming into the station, but uh, we have had, um, you know, chats with prime ministers and premiers and uh, different cabinet ministers. And it's always nice to have uh, somebody who's not in government, but is offering a different view. And so that's sort of uh, what you're here today to talk about and specifically to talk about housing, which seems to be, well, in crisis in Muskoka. Yeah, Jeff, you know, it's been, I've been out knocking on on doors with Matt over the last few months uh, in Muskoka. And I can tell you almost every door we knock on and you ask people, what's your number one concern? And outside, of course, of pandemic and COVID and all of that, it's housing affordability. Like we have a real housing affordability crisis in Ontario. You know, it's really been getting worse and worse every year since the mid-1990s when the provincial and federal governments got out of uh, supporting uh, more housing affordability. Uh, But it's really reached a breaking point during the pandemic. And the Ontario Greens, we've put forward a housing affordability strategy that some have called a masterclass plan. We've been getting um, positive reviews from across the political spectrum. And because it's because we're just putting forward real solutions to an old problem that are not ideological based. We're talking about ways that we can engage the private sector in increasing housing affordability supply. And we're also proposing ways that the province steps up and starts building affordable housing again, working with nonprofits, co-ops and social housing providers. All right. So, you know, I've noted that in the last 10 years that the price of rental units has more than doubled. Yeah, no, it's completely unacceptable and unaffordable, and it has real economic impact. So obviously, it affects people's quality of life when so much of their income has to go into you know their rent. But it's also affecting employers now who are having trouble uh, recruiting staff because they can't afford to live in the area. And so that's why we need to increase the supply of affordable rental housing. The Ontario Greens are proposing that province-wide, we build 100,000 affordable rental spaces uh, in Ontario uh, so we can increase that supply and make sure it's affordable for people. Uh, And so it's going to be those kinds of solutions that are going to be needed to address this crisis. All right. Now, it's going to be a long-term solution, isn't it? that fair to say? I don't think there's any really quick fixes. Well, I mean, there are some quick fixes. And one of those that we're proposing is one, if government starts getting involved in building spaces, you can get that built fairly quickly. But also we're looking at ways that we can change um, uh, zoning rules to make it faster for people uh, privately to increase uh, supply. And that can be through many different things, such as making it easier for duplexes and triplexes, for basement uh, suites, uh, secondary suites, laneway housing, 
housing so we can better utilize our existing built environment, create new revenue streams for existing or potential home buyers to make home ownership more accessible for people by, you know, having new revenue streams. Uh, and in order to do that, we're going to need all three levels of government working together uh, to make it happen. Uh, but you know, it's those types of solutions is why our housing affordability strategy has been getting such rave reviews, again, from people across the political spectrum. I know that, you know, the town of Huntsville has tried to come up with what they call attainable housing, but, you know, a very small project, quite honestly, is still ongoing Hmm. years later. So it doesn't seem to be, you know, a quick moving thing. Now, I know that uh, the town of Huntsville has also uh, come up with uh, bylaws that will allow, you know, small, I'm going to say uh, tiny homes, Mm -hmm. um, which is really kind of cool. But you haven't really seen anything in the last year, even though it's been approved. Yeah, well, I think it's great that Huntsville's making uh, those those types of initiatives and efforts. But one of the things I, I mentioned is that uh, in the 1990s, both the federal and provincial governments got out of uh, supporting housing starts financially. At one point in Canada in the 70s and 80s, sometimes as high as 20% of housing starts were actually uh, financed by the provincial and federal governments working with co-op and nonprofit housing providers. The Ontario Greens were proposing to do that again, and we're going to be honest with people about how to pay for it. Right now, uh, we're subsidizing electricity prices at the tune of $6.5 billion. We're the only jurisdiction in North America doing that. That disproportionately benefits wealthy households. And we're saying keep those subsidies for lower income and middle income households, but cap it. So the money we're spending to subsidize wealthy households, we actually divert that to building affordable housing for people who are struggling to even find a place to call home. Mm -hmm. All right. So, you know, you've got this plan you say that you can pay for it by making, I'm going to say, rich people pay more for electricity. Well, just pay the real cost and not have well, it subsidized. <laughs> but, you know, electricity is sort of one of these hot point uh, things that people complain about. We, see, According to, uh, you know, popular belief out there is that we pay one of the highest rates it is already for hydro, and yet you know, it's subsidized. And I know that right now it's subsidized yet again to everybody because of the pandemic. But, you know, is that going to pay for all of the, this, you know, building that you're proposing? Yeah. So uh, we, we, propose two revenue sources. So the first is to stop subsidizing electricity prices for wealthy households, especially when so many people can't even afford to have a place to call home. And secondly, we're proposing having a a vacancy tax on homes that are built purely for speculation. So not not cottages, but homes where speculators essentially build build a space and leave it empty. And uh, we don't care if you're a resident or non-resident. And then the money that we would raise from that tax would, one, hopefully it'll discourage people from engaging in that kind of speculation. And two, the money raised from it uh, will go into uh, covering the cost of building more affordable homes for people. And as far as, you know, the speculation issue is concerned, how big a problem is that? I, I don't think that we see that too much in Muskoka. But Oh, no, we're hearing more and more uh, concerns about uh, levels of speculation, not only in Muskoka, but across the province. I mean, obviously, it's a bigger issue in the GTA, but you're seeing it happening across the province now. And it's partly because the reason behind it 
did. And you can kind of understand why. I mean, you know, housing prices have gone up by 20% in Muskoka. Where else can you put money and get a 20% return on investment? So you can see why there's a financial incentive for people to engage in that kind of speculation. Is that that primarily, I'm going to say, waterfront or cottages that we're talking about? It can be, yeah. Just I don't really see it, you know, in urban Muskoka. That's... No, maybe I'm, I'm missing it. I don't. Yeah, know. no. Well, we're we're hearing and, and Matt can talk about this uh, uh, in more detail locally. But uh, we're seeing speculation uh, all across the province, and, and it's really people. Oftentimes, it, it is in. It can even be oftentimes in those waterfront condo developments uh, where people speculate in a unit. Maybe they use it for short term rental, uh, and it's not available for people who who live here and mm-hmm. work here. And so we want to make sure that we have enough housing spaces available for the people who live and work here because everyone deserves a place they can call home. What about short-term rentals? Yeah, I think we should be regulating short-term rentals. Um, you know, obviously, you know, we want to create opportunities for people to to have uh, rental properties available. But if we're over-utilizing our existing housing stock simply for short-term rentals, and we have so many people who don't have an affordable place to call home, then we have an imbalance in our housing market that's negatively affecting, you know, quality of life in our communities and the ability of employers to find staff because their staff needs to be able to afford to live here. Mm -hmm. Now, I know that there are a lot of people in the short-term rental business that, you know, are, are basically running out of bedroom and things like that but then there are that's fine yeah yeah, there there is um you know people who uh, speculate and then use the the their uh lakefront condo to to um you know offer up on short-term rentals but there's also you know another contingent that that is the people who have taken their residential property off the market off the rental market because of problems that they've they've had and they've just decided to go into short-term rentals where you know the landlord you know has better protections is there anything there that you would uh, do well that's why we need better regulation uh, across the province just to make not to get rid of short-term rentals to be to make it fair and to make sure we're not taking too much housing stock uh, out of the system that's available for people who need to live here. Uh, and so, you know, it's a it's a growing problem uh, and it's one that needs to be dealt with. And some of the money we can raise through vacancy taxes and proper regulation can go to building uh, permanent affordable homes for people. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Your source for community. Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine, The Bay 88.7. Brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental, keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Visit DairyLaneDental.com. You're listening to The Riding Report. And welcome back to The Riding Report. I have MPP Mike Schreiner here, who is the leader of the Green Party of Ontario and also a candidate for the Green Party in the upcoming election. We've got Matt Richter here, who's ran a couple of times. And Matt, so look, we're talking about, I, I guess, a shortage of homes for people and and the, the whole sort of domino effect that yes. that has here in Muskoka. Could you speak to that? It, it is a massive problem as as described a crisis problem housing is more affordable now for more people than ever before and you know recent reports when we see and hear that the projected average household uh, sale price coming up in 2022 is around seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars that is that's sending warning flags to everyone in in our area and and as mike was saying earlier it's a at a crisis 
crisis level and it needs real honest solutions and that's why I'm so proud to be the Green Party candidate uh, offering practical but but evidence-based solutions that will work and are fully costed. So very proud of that. And thanks again, Mike, for being up here today and talking to the people in our community. Laura, you've got this plan. You're not in power. Uh, How can you get it enabled? How can you get it passed? Do you have any buy-in from the government? You know what? It's amazing what even one Green MPP can accomplish and imagine what we could accomplish with even more. So after we released our plan, not long after that, uh, the leader of the Liberal Party basically said in a speech to their convention, well, the Ontario Greens have a great housing plan. Maybe <laughs> we should just use it, adopt it. And we've seen uh, recently, I don't agree with everything that's come out of the Premier's Housing Affordability Task Force, but some of the key components of our plan, particularly some of the changes to zoning rules that would make it easier for people to build things like duplexes and triplexes, laneway secondary suites, uh, is at least in the leaked draft report from the Premier's Housing Affordability Task Force, those types of changes are in there. So you're seeing the influence that we have. And the reason we want to have more green MPPs like Matt Richter at Queen's Park is that'll even give us more influence to drive the kind of change uh, that we need at Queen's Park to pass the kind of policies that are going to benefit people here in Muskoka. All right. So what do you see um, for the Green Party, you know, in the next few years? We're going into an election year. And do you see, you know, more MPs? Absolutely. I mean, you said that before, (laughs) by the way. Yeah, no, I have. I have. And you know what? It takes you got to get your first one. So I was here. I remember being here in the 2018 election campaign saying, you know, hey, we're going to elect a few Green MPPs. We elected one. And, you know, you got to get that first one and then you expand. And that's what we've seen in other provinces like PEI, New Brunswick and British Columbia. But I'll tell you, Jeff, I you know what? I I think I'd make a dang good premier. I think I've shown that uh, with how effective I've been at Queen's Park. But I also want to be honest with people. We're likely not going to go from one seat to forming government. I mean, that would be asking a lot of us. But if we can go to one seat to a handful of seats, and I think we have a real great opportunity here in Perry Sound, Muskoka to elect a Green MPP, especially with a strong candidate like Matt Richter, uh, we can increase our influence. And I think people have been impressed with the job I've done. I mean, I passed two substantive private members bills. uh, And part of the reason we've been able to do that is the Ontario Greens, we approach politics differently. It's not hyper-partisanship. I mean, if you've noticed, I haven't been here, you know, trashing the other political parties. We see enough of that with the other three legacy parties with all their negative advertising. We're really about putting forward real solutions to the problems that people have and working across party lines to deliver on those solutions to improve people's lives. Okay. Now, I do see quite a few emails or press releases from <laughs> your uh, your office, and you are quite critical of, of the Ford government. Well, absolutely. I mean, I think we need to be critical when we should be critical. And, you know, one of the things I've been very critical of is, you know, Premier Ford, has been systematically dismantling uh, climate action plans and environmental protections. And particularly those environmental protections are important for communities. Protecting our drinking water, protecting the farmland that feeds us, protecting the wetlands that clean our drinking water and protect us from flooding. Don't have to tell people in Muskoka how important it is to have uh, proper flood protections in place. And so where there needs to be criticism, I will Mm -hmm. deliver that criticism. But But I'm also willing to work across party lines. My first private members bill I did in cooperation with a member of the Conservative Caucus to make life better for electric vehicle drivers. So when we can agree on things, I'll work across party lines. I know that Ford was, you know, hopefully ho- hoping to release more land, uh, the Greenbelt. Um, you, you stood uh, against that. And you're also against uh, this new highway that they're wanting to open up. Yeah, well, I, uh, so one, I absolutely oppose opening the Greenbelt for development and really proud of the leadership role that Ontario Greens play.
played in mobilizing a citizens movement against that. And the premier thankfully backtracked on that and now has said the green belt's off limits. Uh, the reason I don't think it makes sense building Highway 413 is why would we spend over $10 billion building a highway that's going to pave over 2,000 acres of farmland, 400 acres of the green, green belt, destroy wetlands that are uh, vital to cleaning, drinking water, protecting us from flooding to save commuters in the GTA 30 to 60 seconds, according to expert, you know, uh, transportation reports. That money could be better spent on health care, education, climate action, affordable housing. Like there are so many better uses, better transit. There's so many better uses of that money uh, rather than wasting it on a on a highway that's really not going to benefit commuters. Okay. Can we talk a little bit about the pandemic? Sure. Yeah. Right. Now, <laughs> I uh, thought people were tired <laughs> of talking about it, but I'm well, happy to I'm, talk I'm, about it, Jeff. Media. We love to talk about the <laughs> pandemic. So, you know, we're, we're at a phase where, you know, even the medical officer of health says it's time for us to start living with the virus and, you know, hopefully it's becoming endemic. Uh, do you support the, uh, I guess, loosening of restrictions at this point? Yeah, I think I think those decisions should be based on the numbers, the metrics, and in particular, uh, where uh, stress on our healthcare system is. And so, you know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, I want us to be able to cautiously open up and do it in a way that uh, makes sure we keep students in class learning, we keep our small businesses open, and that we ensure that we don't put additional pressure on our healthcare system, which, you know, if you talk to any nurses in particular, it's been an incredibly stressful time for them which is one of the reasons we've been calling for, you know, let's pay nurses what they deserve and let's make sure we increase capacity in our healthcare system uh, so it's so we don't see the kind of stress on it and then the ripple effects that's had on our, on our economy uh, moving forward. I mean, obviously, if if the numbers look like they're headed in the right direction right now, which is incredibly help, hopeful, if that changes, then we'll have to respond to it. But let's do it in a way that follows the data and the evidence. Okay, so we've got you know, an economy that's been pretty well battered yeah. uh, by this virus. Uh, we've had people that, you know, have been in business that have been forced to close two or three times. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got a healthcare system that's reeling. Um, not only have um, they not had the resources they need, they're losing the resources. And in Huntsville and Bracebridge in particular, yep. they've had uh, hospitals that for years have been underfunded. Exactly. Uh, so, uh, you know, like, what do you do in, in going forward to try and, you know, make sure that the, the healthcare system has the money that it needs, not only just to operate, Mm-hmm. You know, without having to have, you know, Nora Miller go, you know, <laughs> talk to the Minister of Health and beg for money every year to, you know, cover off the deficit. But how do you make sure that one, small hospitals or medium sized hospitals get the day to day funding they need, but be able to have a, a plant and the employees within it to react to this kind of a thing? Because it seems like it's going to be here for a while. Yeah, no, we're actually going to have to uh, absolutely respond in a way that increases uh, hospital capacity. And so for a long time, I've been uh, calling for uh, changes in the funding formula, particularly for rural hospitals, to recognize, one, the unique role they play in the community, but to also recognize that uh, there's some additional costs associated with um, operating in, in a rural environment versus an urban environment, and the funding formula needs to reflect that. I've also been calling 
calling for. I'm really proud of uh, the push Ontario Greens have made with our plan of how to retain and recruit more uh, nurses and frontline healthcare workers in particular. It starts with making sure we pay them a fair wage, which is why I've been saying repeal Bill 124, which caps not only their wages, but their total compensation. And considering the mental health strain that so many frontline healthcare workers, especially nurses, have been under during the pandemic, to cap their compensation and, you know, which, you know, when they need access to things like mental health services, makes absolutely no sense to me. And it's one of the reasons you're seeing a lot of nurses in particular leave the profession. And we also need to be looking at how do we recruit more? And one of the best ways we can do that is we have about 15,000 internationally trained nurses in Ontario who aren't allowed to practice. So let's speed up the accreditation of those international nurses. You see other jurisdictions. I look at the state of New York. uh, The accreditation process is much faster than we have here in Ontario. And uh, there's no reason we can't speed that process up to increase the capacity we have. And we're also going to have to make sure we have uh, more personal support workers working in long-term care, home care, and in hospital, which is why I've been calling for making pandemic pay uh, permanent. So we're going to have to make some additional financial investments in our healthcare system to be able to do that. And in addition to that, we're going to have to invest in ways that promote health and prevent illness. I've been meeting with a lot of doctors talking about the importance of primary health care to help relieve stress on our hospital system and also to invest in um, things like mental health and addictions, uh, which one will improve people's quality of life. And geez, we know after this pandemic, we need more investment in mental health services, but it also helps take pressure off of hospital too. You see a lot of hospital, particularly emergency rooms under stress uh, because they're dealing with people who are in crisis, oftentimes uh, mental health crisis. And those people would be better cared for in the community, having access to the services and supports they need rather than having to go to more expensive care in hospital that um, doesn't quite provide the same kind of quality of care that you would receive in the community. All right. And if you don't mind, I'm going to now switch gears and put Matt on the hot seat. (laughs) Matt, an election is coming up. That's right. And uh, you're going to be running against uh, Mayor Graydon Smith, who is stepping into Norm Miller's, uh, I guess, role as the conservative candidate for the area. Yeah, that's right. How are you going to do that? How are you going to win? <laughs> well, how, how I'm going to do it, I'm, I'm going to do it in a very fair and, and strong, straightforward way of, of honesty and integrity, as I've always done in the past. Uh, you know, and I congratulated Norm Miller on his 20 years. Um, and, and I look towards the way he conducted himself uh, as a mentor of, of integrity. Uh, we did agree to disagree in the past, but, uh, but, but as a whole and the way he conducted himself, I, I take heart and, and I look forward to bringing that down to Queen's Park. As for Graydon Smith, um, you know, all the best to him, but we have the momentum this time through. And I, and I can say with, with Mike Schreiner being up here today and the support that we get from the Green Party of Ontario and the momentum of having a massive team of volunteers behind us, uh, we, have, we, we have a policy, we have a way of doing politics that resonates with the people of Perry Sound, Muskoka. And we're seeing that right now. We've hit over 15,000 doors already by phone calling or, or at the door. And, and I think just to, the whole conversation you've been having with Mike so far speaks directly to why we resonate with the people in this riding. It's the, the sensibility and the reality of our solutions to these problems that they've been hearing since the time I got started in politics, which was back in 2007, that the status quo, those legacy parties, they haven't been getting the job done. And these problems still exist today. Uh, when we talk about uh, the affordable housing crisis, when we talk about healthcare issues, uh, education, 
education, energy costs, those same issues. When I look back at those pamphlets that I was doing back in 2007 and 2011 in my first two elections, surprisingly enough, those issues are still unresolved today. And hearing uh, what people want, they, they want straightforward policies that are clearly communicated. And that's what we're going to deliver. And that's why we're resonating uh, and continuing to resonate w- with the people. And I look forward to bringing that message right through to June 2nd and getting us down to join Mike at Queen's Park. All right. Well, I think we've run out of time. Uh, thanks very much, Mike, for coming in. That's Mike Schreiner, the uh, Ontario leader of the Green Party and uh, MPP in uh, the Guelph area. And of course, uh, Matt Ricker, who's, uh, well, from Port Sydney. So, uh, <laughs> and, uh, well, everybody knows him. And, well, good luck in the next uh, upcoming election. Well, thank you very much. And that's been the Riding Report. I'm Jeff Carter. 